What is up, everybody? Today is an awesome day with an awesome episode, and we're going to have a really good few episodes here. I'm excited about it. So before we get into it, today's episode is powered by SupergripATV.com. If you're familiar at all with the podcast, you know that I've run the Supergrip ATV K9 tires for some time now. I run them in the standard compound with the Kevlar reinforced sidewalls. It's been an extremely tough tire for my vehicle. Uh, on top of that, I ran them out this weekend and I just really kind of wanted to put a beating on them and, and see what I could find. And uh, let me tell you guys, don't run them at 20 PSI. That's where I started just to, you know, get an idea if someone overinflates them to see, you know, how they perform. It's not the right way to do it for sure. I got them down to about six or eight PSI somewhere in that ballpark and they really started hooking for me. Even where people say that they haven't been very successful with them, uh, mud, loose, uh, like loose, slick rock. I was all over it. Had no issues once I aired down the six and eight PSI right around there somewhere. It was really great. I'm really impressed with the performance of those tires. Uh, and when I say performance, I mean it's a combination of you know the things that they can climb, the terrain that they can get you through. Uh, they're really well balanced in my opinion. But more than anything, that is an extremely tough tire. So I highly recommend if you have the extra change and you're looking to get some canines, upgrade to Kevlar, you will not be sorry. SupergripATV.com and SupergripATV on Facebook and Instagram. Next on the show is Dinojet Research Inc. Uh, I was talking to James today and he uh, he goes pretty extensively over one of the few things that he would really keep in transferring over to the car or something that he already has figured out for his new vehicle is the Dinojet uh, tune, uh, the clutching, the belt system, the entire, the entire setup. He's really confident in how it performs. Dinojet offers a PowerVision 3 tuner, which can hold multiple tunes at one time, even letting you write your own customizable tune. And let me tell you, that's pretty cool from someone who's a software guy. If you don't want to get that nitty gritty, they come preloaded with some excellent tunes. I run the stock tune that comes on the PowerVisions from Dinojet for the stock exhaust as well. I really think it woke up the low end of my machine. I was very, very pleased with it. They've also been very kind to me in uh, getting me a clutch setup and all that other kind of stuff so that I can tell you guys and confidently say that I recommend the Dinojet Research Inc. Stage 2 Power Kit. Uh, it's what I run on my car. I'm very, very glad to have them on board. Dinojet Research Inc. Uh, and Dinojet.com. You can find all the information there or reach out to your local retailer. Third on the list is iRate 4x4. iRate 4x4 is the new revolution in terms of information gathering for your UTV or full-size rig. Uh, if you're looking for, I, I had a student from MTSU this week, uh, which is Middle Tennessee State University, the local college of my town. He reached out to me and you know he, he had some design questions and things like that. I mean, when I say design questions, he just kind of let me know what they were doing and, and it was, you know, just kind of Ask me for my thoughts. I am going to redirect him to iRate 4x4 because there's so many guys out there that have fabrication skills uh, far beyond my need that have posted how-to threads, build threads, and even just general discussion topics or topics where people have asked questions. iRate4x4.com is a no BS place to go get the answers that you need 
make new friends, and also stay up to date with industry-late topics. I am highly, highly recommend you guys go there because I really trust the team that's doing the moderation there. They've been really great to me uh, in communication and everything's been really straightforward. So as far as moderation goes, this is going to be a place where you can share your ideas, not be censored, and get all of the correct information that you need. That is I-R-A-T-E-4x4.com. I rate 4x4 on Instagram and Facebook. When you start your build thread, let them know you found out from Racing on the Rocks. Another sponsor on our list is All Things UTV. Guys, there's one product from, or there's really two that I really, really, really recommend, but there's one product that is a must-have on your vehicle, and that is the Razor Aid Inner Fender Liners. So if you're on any Can-Am or Polaris machine, the stock firewall or the stock, you know, plastics that are underneath your feet in the floorboard, that's all you have, uh, especially in the wheel well of your vehicle. And all things UTV and, and the Razorade department of all things UTV, they make an excellent upgrade for that piece of the machine. What it is, it is a form-fitted, custom-made, fully engineered uh, piece of steel that just bolts right up onto your firewall, the floorboard there, and it makes it a much more durable, safer environment for your passengers and yourself. I would not be going as fast as I am through the woods sometimes without having the peace of mind knowing that if a stick comes through, it won't. It's not going to come through. The steel inner fender liners are going to be able to protect me. Those come in powder coating options of a variety of colors, and it's one of the most important upgrades that you can have. All Things UTV Razor Aid Inner Fender Liners. You can find those guys on allthingsutv.com and All Things UTV with a Z, All Things UTV on Instagram and Facebook. Let's see. Next is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. So this was the first weekend I really got a chance to get out and get on my shocks that we're, we're working on doing. Uh, let me tell you guys, he's got a package that is pretty pretty much there. Uh, there's a little bit of fine tuning that Chris wants to do because he is a perfectionist. I cannot tell you guys the level of communication, turnaround, specification, everything that Chris has asked me to do, I've done for him, and he delivered almost right out of the gate. I think we're I think we're due for one more tuning session to really get it perfect for you guys, you know. But his first stab at my setup was really really great. And the feedback that I'm going to give him is just going to help his commercial package be that much better. So I'm very, very excited to, to tell you guys when Chris at Diddy's Big Block Race Shop is going to go live with those Razor uh, spring packages and, and you know valving packages. It's going to be great. Chris is going to be someone who can get you everything you need from rebuild, custom valving, to custom spring rates as well. He is the best in the business. Now, quick little small plug for all things UTV. I'm running their Cloud9 kit right now paired with Chris's valving, and I think it's really, really great. Check out the Tender Spring upgrade and the Cloud9 kit from all things UTV. It's a wonderful pairing with what Chris is doing. Uh, Chris is called Wizzo because he's the wizard, man. He makes those shocks do things that are magic. So Diddy's Big Block Race Shop for all of your needs in terms of shock tuning, shock servicing, and he'll be releasing his Razor-specific shock valving packages very soon. Very glad to have him on board. That is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Facebook and Instagram. Last but not least, 
the longest sponsor of the show and one of the most dedicated sponsors of this show, Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road has two things for the listeners of this show. They offer a 25-year, you break it, they fix it warranty, uh, even covering accidental damage. It's pretty much no questions asked and whatever happened, happened, and they'll just send you some new parts. It's really amazing. I am, uh, I don't know, I, we're, me and Mike are friends. I mean, to, to call it what it is, it's nice because he's such a good guy that, that I've seen so many other people say you know, say things about him that echo the way I feel. It just is really great, whether it's customer service, shipping time, you know, communication, whatever it is, infiniteoffroad.com is the place to get all of your lighting solutions and some hard parts that they carry as well. So that being said, Infinite Offroad believes in the show. They appreciate you guys. So they're going to give us 10% off for all the listeners. Code word rocks, R-O-C-K-S at checkout. We'll get you 10% off the entire website. Okay. Bills are paid, y'all. Today on the show, we have James Cantrell. James Cantrell is an Ultra 4 podium finisher for the National Series. We're going to cover the Crossbar Ranch race that he had. It was a very, very close race. He went into the race, tied for first place in the National Series. But let me tell you guys this. James is an awesome driver, and I cannot wait to see what happens in the next calendar year for him. So without further ado, James Cantrell. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. James Cantrell, you're coming through. I'm doing great, man. So we had a... we had a little bit of, uh, you know, back and forth with the technology stuff here and there, but uh, I'm glad we got it working. I'm glad that you're here because uh, you had a long weekend. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was a long trip out there to Oklahoma and back for us from Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to go ahead and get right into it because obviously you're coming off the big Nationals weekend. Um, can you tell me what you were going through, you know, how you got set up to be in this this huge points contention race and then everything that transpired this weekend? Well, man, um, with Corona this year, Ultra 4 kind of cut back on the schedule and uh, eliminated a lot of races with everything that's been going on. Um, and in doing so, once they did that, they had just one East Coast race, one West Coast race, and then uh, Nationals. Mm-hmm. And the way they changed the point structure this year, you could use two out of your three races, um, King of the Hammers, East Coast Race, Moab, or and then you also had to use Nationals for your points. Um, the race down in Tennessee was the first uh, regional race this year for Ultra 4. And we uh, ended up getting really lucky and ended up taking a podium with third. Um, at that race and that set us up really good because we had finished points from KOH this year so that kind of set us up really decent in the national points race Um, I had some unfortunate incidents with my truck and stuff I had plans on going out to Moab actually myself to run the razor in the race out there Um, made a couple phone calls got a hold of Cole Clark um, without hesitation he said sure no problem I'll run under your name he had some struggles earlier this year and had some unfortunate DNFs and was out of the points race, so he had no problem running for me uh, under my name. 
And with the way Ultra Four rules are wrote, you can run and have one substitute driver at an event throughout the whole season to run for you to keep you in points in case you can't make it to an event. Mm-hmm. Well, Cole goes out there and puts it on pole and takes a win. Um, I was expecting that. Uh, that's what I was kind of hoping would happen. Cole's a phenomenal driver. and He's, he's super, super fast. Um, so that kind of set me up really good. Um, Jamie McCoy ended up winning Tennessee and ended up taking third in Moab. So that put us both exactly tied. I think we had like 1,972 points going into uh, nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, you still have to finish nationals to get points for the season. Um, you can't substitute your national points with another race um, throughout the season. So I was really nervous, you know what I mean, going out there knowing – we're tied for first in points. We still have to finish this race mm-hmm. to even be in contention for the national championship. And then we got to beat Jamie McCoy to win the championship. And that in itself is a whole nother struggle. Yeah. Um, we had a good plan. Um, I felt good. I actually had my car prepped early. Um, we left, got out there. Everything was going great. Uh, car felt a little weird when I went out to go qualify. Uh, I was really slow, like about 24 seconds off the leaders, and that's not normal um, with me driving. I normally qualify a little closer to the front. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really think anything of it, and uh, we qualified 16th, I think, for race day. Uh, I wasn't that worried about it. I knew the course in Oklahoma was going to be brutal. Uh, we we're around 30 mile laps of just loop A was fast but you had your danger sections with little rock areas that uh, they had put in there you'll be rolling and all of a sudden here's a little boulder field and in a mm-hmm. razor those little boulder fields will end your day quick um loop b was more real hard rock not shout super challenging but you never really got to take a break um mm-hmm. you were in rock constantly i mean just be bopping up and down these trails uh, they had some super cool creek crossings and everything on loop b um we left the race that morning um uh, still dark out we kind of took it conservative through loop a i think we worked our way up to 12th after loop a and then we come back through uh after our first loop b and i think we were sitting in six um i didn't know at this point in time but we actually had 46 seconds on mccoy at this point in the race um we were kind of sticking to our game plan everything was going great went out and did our second loop a we we're getting ready to go back in loop b which i know loop b is where we're really going to make up our time um, out in the open, those guys, uh, those Can-Ams are hard to catch out in those mm-hmm. fast fields, but you put us on the rocks and it's a different ball game. We come into the short course, go through the start finish line, get ready to go head out on loop B and the car just shuts off. Um, completely loses power to the dash. Everything else is still on. Um, all our pumpers, radios, everything else was still functioning on the car at that point. I'm like, what's going on, man? Um, me and my co-driver, Casey Ryan, hop out. We tear the hood off the car, start going through all the electrical, battery, connectors, tear the dash off the car, and I just can't figure it out. I'm like, we're half a lap from getting the finish points, which I knew if we finished the race, we would still end up on the podium for the series, for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew the championship was out at this point. I mean, with being down 20-plus minutes, there was no way we are going to catch McCoy. Um, I got lucky, and... Uh, Right before I gave up and started walking back to the pits, I decided to check the fuse block and found a blown ignition fuse in the main um, harness for the razor. 
luckily I'd never had the cover off. So, um, there was all the spare fuses in the holders. Uh, we changed the fuse, um, uh, put the panels back on the car and took off and complete our loop B again. Um, at this point we were just going for a finish. Um, we came back through and it did it again, same place on a short course, um, craft start finish line, hit the little jump land car shuts off. Um, we knew what it was at this point. So we just swapped the fuse again. Um, I left my co-driver Casey there. Um, he was supposed to ride with Casey Gilbert too in the 4,800 flash race. And I knew our race was over. Uh, essentially at this point, we were just going for a finish. Mm-hmm. So I left him uh, in the pits and took off and did my third loop A and they ended up timing me out at the finish line in eighth place. Man, man, brutal. Uh, yeah, it's one of the things. It's super disappointing. Uh, I'm glad we finished. Um, but at the same time, I'd really like to make McCoy earn that championship. I mean, so so look, let's let's go through it. Let's start at the beginning here um, with the prep. So you prepped early, and I mean, to to me, one of your like striking uh, like signature moves is the late prep. <laughs> you- yeah, um, I was trying to be prepared. I knew. I knew how much was riding on this race. Um, mm-hmm. I knew McCoy, he was, he's one of the best drivers on the East coast. Hands down. I knew if we wanted a shot at beating him straight up, we were going to have to show out there and be on our A game. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were, yeah. um, yeah. everything was working great. We took the car out after qualifying Friday night, did a shakedown run, did about 10 miles on the car just to make sure everything was great. Car felt perfect. I mean, it's just one of those fluke things and racing that you can't really uh, blame yourself for it just kind of happens yeah and and we'll get to it in a second but you know if you were to run with this car in the future uh, you know how do you chase down uh, an, an ignition fuse getting blown i mean that's a symptom it sounds like of something else what what yeah, is something has to be shortened somewhere touching yeah randomly um the only thing you can really do is tear the car tear into the car and start looking for Trade wire, something touching, some ground wire loose here, uh, something loose there. Um, that's really the only way to find it. Start grab a voltmeter and start diagnosing, shaking stuff, see if you can um, have it duplicate that problem again. Dude, that's first off, that sucks. That sucks that it happened, but that sucks that like that's the next step, you know. And, and um, like we mentioned before, or I mentioned before uh, we got on the call, I actually was supposed to go ride on Saturday. And ended up, you know, kind of realizing how important this race was between you two, you and Jamie. And uh, I ended up pushing my ride to Sunday. And uh, man, I, I got to tell you, like, it was one of those days where there was, as a spectator, you know, I was watching on Friday, watched you guys qualify. I did think it was weird where you qualified. I was like, I thought you'd be a little bit more towards the front. And, and then back in my mind, I'm thinking, Okay, he's playing, you know, the slow and steady game of like, let's just get there, get the points, and you'll cover, you'll, you know, you'll make up some ground because the attrition on the car, you know, just seeing the race that they or the the qualifying uh, lap they had, you know, is going to be rough. Like it was going to take people out, uh, especially when they started talking about on the loop A, you know, from the drone footage that we got to see, loop A looked like a dirt road, but you know, hindsight, we get these videos from you know the racer cam, and there's these little little tire killers and suspension killers out there that are just off the trail. And, uh, you know, it was one of those where I just, I thought to myself that there would be a lot less people finished than did. Um, so I, I was surprised by the total number of people that actually ended up being able to, you know, 
drive their machine out and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, how did you feel about starting at seven o'clock in the morning? I mean, I was up at I think six fifty, and you guys took off the line somewhere seven twenty-five central, and it was dark. It was dark outside. Oh, it was it was talking? real dark. Um, I actually didn't have any lights in my car. I didn't go prepared for. Uh, <laughs> starting at 7 a.m. in the dark um luckily i so actually they, had my did, was part light. of the plan or yeah it was originally um for them starting at 7 a.m. but i didn't really put two and two together that we'd be starting at pitch black at 7 a.m. uh early one just a lack of uh thought on my part um i really like I, I enjoy start uh, racing in the dark it really doesn't um, affect me that much the way i drive it's um it's kind of a cool different aspect too you know what i mean you're starting in the morning early and driving into the sunlight it's uh really fun the sun though is uh brutal that early in the morning when you're coming up and down those cliffs uh the reflection coming through your visor gets really bad on a couple of spots up there once the sun actually does come up until mm -hmm. it gets um fully rise but now, it's a, i love oklahoma so so i wasn't familiar necessarily with the oklahoma course and a little bit of a sidetrack here. Are they not going to keep Reno as the national? Uh, ending? Oh, we will be. We will be back at Reno next year for the national championship. Which I love Reno. Um, Reno is awesome race course, but yeah. I really feel uh, Oklahoma is more of a true national championship course for Ultra Four Series. As far as uh, being, we ran almost 100 miles this year. Versus being a short course race, I think uh, the Oklahoma course really is the definition of ultra four racing. I mean, there's everything you can possibly dream of out there for obstacles, from mud to high speeds. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that it was really, uh, especially the 4900 class, like the highlight video came out today, which you made a nice appearance in. It's a good looking car comes running through that water. But uh, one thing I was going to ask you was in that course, you mentioned that there are water crossings. Um, in Oklahoma this last weekend, there was like this crazy ice storm and I know it had to be cold for you guys getting started that early. How, you know, the water crossings were on the loop B, which was lap two for you guys. Was the sun up by the time that you were hitting the water? Yeah, the sun was up by the time we got to loop B, um, we ended up starting us a little bit late. I think I left the line around seven thirty-eight or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. so by the time we made it into the woods. It was eight o'clock and the sun was already starting to rise by the time we hit the water. Um, it was still frigid. Um, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I slowed up a little bit for the water crossing just to make sure I didn't <laughs> suck myself that morning. Um, I hate being cold. Uh, oh, I it get it. Frigid. I mean, it was really cold. I'm, I'm not a fan of the cold at all. I mean, I was sitting on the starting line. My co-driver, Casey's like, are you shaking? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is not nerves. That's just how cold I am right now. Yeah. So what's your what, what was your co-driver's last name? Uh, Casey Ryan, uh, me okay. and Casey have raced together since I started doing this. Uh, we built the Cherokee together, raced the CJ together, did the 4400 <laughs> rock bouncing. Uh, yeah, we've done it all together. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny when when anyone says Casey and I'm, I'm in the Ultra Four mindset, I immediately think Casey Gilbert, and I'm like, I, that that's that would be an interesting pairing to get both y'all in a car together. I would, uh, yeah, Casey. Oh, with me and me and Gilbert actually raced together. Um, the first pro rock race down at Busted Knuckle, the first ever survival oh. race. Um, Gilbert showed up late and didn't get to pre-run the race course, so he just hopped in with the razor and was like, "Like, man, I'm gonna ride with you." And it was a ball. We had a blast. Uh, he doesn't cut me any slack. It's <laughs> yeah, fun. there's Neither two guys who drive Ryan. Car. 
so hard. <laughs> yeah, and um, Casey Ryan spent a lot of time. He's rode with Casey Gilbert. He's rode with Shannon Campbell in Casey's car. Um, he's got to ride with a lot of really fast people. Um, he's a great co-driver. He knows the pace it takes to win. And nowadays, it's a really fast, high pace the whole entire time. Yeah, that was that was something that I was very aware of, uh, especially when I started seeing the numbers come through after lap one is there was I mean, there was a lot of guys that were fast, but there was five, six, seven of y'all where y'all were really like, as Miles says, y'all were hauling the mail. Y'all were going wild the entire time. And uh, it's to me, it's a really big testament to not only like the prep that you guys do on the cars, but the parts that you guys are using. I mean, the, the race courses are just as hard as they used to be. They're, you know, they're the same killer courses, but I feel like, you know, again, I was surprised how many cars finished. The endurance, the the strength of these cars is is really, really impressive nowadays. Uh, I thought that that was really cool to see. Yeah, everybody's. You know, it's insane. Um, everybody's really stepped up their games. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're in a Polaris, Yamaha, Can-Am. I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, everybody's really stepped up their game as far as even OEMs to aftermarket parts. Uh, mm -hmm. It's crazy. We ran, I want to say, this race was about three hours. And That's you were pushing the car the entire time. Um, it's Everybody now is just fully committed. The sport has changed so much in the past couple of years where if you finished uh, a couple of years ago, you had a good shot at a podium. Mm -hmm. And now if you're not out there running 110% and have a perfectly clean race, um, your podium chances are gone. Yeah. Um, I think that's the big thing that I shot at winning. Any little mechanical problem issue you have, you're pretty much taking yourself out. Okay. Yeah. Well, my last question for uh, really that, that race, because, um, again, I know it ended in a way that you didn't exactly hope for, uh, was in the loop B. There was an optional, like, I think it was called like Hell Staircase or something like that. I'm probably butchered that name. Um, but that was an optional line. I saw that yeah. some of the 4,400 cars took it. Did any UTVs take uh, it? Paul Clark took it on his Woo, son. He took it in his Polaris uh, Turbo S. Man. Um, they had told me he went out Friday night and pre-ran it and uh, made it in his Razor and said he was going to do it during the race. And I guess he ended up doing it on his last lap. And that's how he got by McCoy. Uh, for second place was taking that line on the last lap of the race. So how, how ballsy was that? Because it's hard to put things in video into perspective, but that, that obstacle game. It's a sketchy you... climb and it's a big risk, um, especially in a three hour race. Mm -hmm. uh, razors have come a long way. And so, and so have the Can-Ams. Um, but when you put that type of punishment on it, it's a big risk to take it. Um, it was definitely one of those obstacles. It was doable but it was an extremely high risk um, obstacle where you get there up on the obstacle, you make one mistake, you've lost every advantage you had to taking that line versus just staying on the race course and taking the easy way around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's pretty much all I, I had really to say about Oklahoma. Again, I know it didn't end exactly the way you wanted it to, um, but something very interesting has happened since you returned. Uh, you are now, or let me rephrase and say the the Mad Ram 11 Ultra 4 machine that you own, uh, it's up for grabs. Uh, what what's what's caused you to want to want to jump uh, not jump ship necessarily, but where are you going? What are your thoughts and why are you doing it? Let's start there. Um, I've had a good run with this machine. This will be this is the third full year.
gear. Um, I've raced it. And I've always, I wanted to move up before this season. It just didn't work out. Um, we ended up just staying with the same machine and racing it through the rest of this year. Um, mm-hmm. After Oklahoma, I'm just, I'm over it. It's me and that machine have a love-hate relationship. I love the car. Mm-hmm. Um, when it works right, it's super fast. It works great in the rocks. It, it's a tank. It just hates me. Um, it always comes down to something little with it. And I just want to get rid of that bad juju and uh, move onward and upward. And uh, more than likely, <laughs> you'll see me in a Pro XP next year. Now, it'll be, I'm assuming you you have posted some pictures and videos on your Instagram about you having access to a uh, Pro XP4. It's not going to be a four seat, is it? No, um, we ended up giving the four seat back to Polaris. That was just a demo we got to keep for a couple months. Um, had to turn it back in. Uh, it'll be a two seat uh, standard Pro XP that I'll strip down and turn into a race car. Now I know that Mad Ram Eleven kind of has, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if it's like a known thing or what, but they have a little bit of a partnership with uh, Polaris Razor. Why not take this time and go to a Can Am because that seems to be the winning machine. There's an airport. I'm still a believer in the Polaris razor. Um, if you look out West, the guys in the work series of having a lot of success with the pro XPs, um, the Andersons, um, they've had good success with them in the work series. There's a few guys racing them. Uh, I really haven't seen anybody on the East coast really build a pro XP yet to really come compete with the Can-Ams to really show them what they've got. I've driven both machines. Um, the Can-Ams are fast. I'm no, no way around me denying it. I've driven uh, Nathan Wolf's Can-Am that he got from Cheney that he raced at KOH last year at AOP. Uh, it's a fast ride. I mean, they got that thing dialed in to perfection. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I've just always been a fan of Polaris. Um, the Pro XP, I was really impressed with that four-seater. Um, I haven't got to get the, my hands... The, on a two-seater yet to really test one out. But I think the extra wheelbase and the power, uh, I think I can build a competitive machine to give those guys a run for their money. Yeah, I would I would say that you can. And I I know that there's guys that raced them last year at King of Hammers. And I had uh, Brett from Polaris, the race team guy, uh, on the show. And I, I asked him, I was like, you know, why didn't we see more Pro XPs this year? We saw, I think, a handful, three or four, uh, and a lot of Turbo S's out there. And, and he basically explained to me that their race system, you know, they get to choose what it is. And I agree with you. I think that uh, Michael Lee has built a Pro XP on the East Coast. But other than that, I mean, no one on the East Coast that I'm aware of. And if I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sorry. But, you know, no one's built a, you know, bad to the bone, built to the hilt Pro XP out there uh, outside of Michael Lee. And, and unfortunately, he had a real rough role at King of Hammers. Yeah, he yard sailed that car at the Hammers. He was having a good run too. He was yeah. he spent the time out there getting that car dialed in. He was looking really fast till he had that unfortunate wreck on lap one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Truett's built one for short course. Um, I know he'll have it out next year. Um, other than that, I really don't know of anybody out here that's really built the Pro XP. I think it's a phenomenal platform. Um, judging coming from driving the four-seater version of it um, the handling characteristics and everything i can really tell a big difference from it over my turbo car and my car's a tank um <laughs> i built it with koh i mean that was the whole intent of building this car was for mm-hmm. koh and aop it's overkill everywhere i mean it's built to really take a beating and keep rocking and i think the new one i'm going to focus a little more on keeping it a lot lighter than i built this car i think that's one of the things i'll take that i've learned from watching mccoy and a couple other guys this year uh, mm-hmm. 
weight really hurts you in a side by side. Where are you gonna Where are you gonna gain that weight loss? Um, I'm probably gonna go full chromoly on the new car. Mm-hmm. Um, do a little thinner wall tubing here and there. Um, like for example, my seat mounts they're solid uh, 18 inch by 18 inch uh, quarter inch plates. Um, that's what my seat sits on. It's yeah. way overkill for what you would <laughs> ever need. Um, all my bar, every bar on my car that I had is all 120 wall, inch and three quarter. Um, the stuff that's inch and a half, the door bars, that's all 120 wall too. Mm-hmm. Um, every piece added to the car was 120 wall. I don't think there's any 095 or anything in the car besides 120. Um, I think there's a few things I can shred, shed off the car and kind of do it a little more compact and try to really shed as much weight as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. And I, so I've driven an RS one and a pro XP. I've never been in a turbo S, but I'd like to, um, the pro XP you're, I think you nailed it. The handling characteristics are just bananas compared to the XP platform. If they could get the similar feel because the RS one doesn't feel like that. It feels like its own beast. Um, If they could stretch the RS one to a pro XP length, and gave it, you know, similar or the same handling characteristics. Do you think that you would race, you know, an Ultra Four season or a KOH uh, in an RS One if it had those components? I think you could be competitive. Um, I don't see if there's any reason why you couldn't. I just like having a co-driver. Um, mm-hmm. I find it really beneficial to have a co-driver in the car to keep me pushing and keep me on top of every on my job. Um, when I'm in the car myself, I find myself getting lost. I'll lift here and there. Uh, not really push the whole time like I do when I have somebody sitting in the passenger seat yelling at me, telling me to go faster. Mm-hmm. What would you say, you know, in the current car that you have versus what you're going to build? Okay. So you, you want to shed some weight, but is there anything that you have that you're like, this has to go with me to the next car, be it some performance upgrade or some, you know, whatever it may be, is anything like a must have on the next car? Uh, I'll definitely put the same winch on it. Uh, that nine hey. RC, um, <laughs> things awesome um i'll put all the dyno jet tuning on it uh love the dyno jet tuning clutching uh the hottest my clutch got when i was out in oklahoma was 168 degrees that's insane um, that's when my car runs all the pro xp clutching transmission um with dyno jets uh clutch kit in it mm-hmm. and um since i've swapped over this thing belt temps have gone i mean they're a thing of the past the new clutching flesh really killed it uh, i'm really really impressed with how that stuff's been working um, other than the dyno jet tuning, RCV axles, of course, I'll put on the new car. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much all of my same sponsors and um, stuff I run on this car, uh, I'll put on the new car. This car, uh, I really got it figured out now as far as what works. It's really turned it into a tank. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than the couple fluke things we've had happen this year, uh, I feel really confident in um, all the people that I have helping me with the car and everything that we run that I really don't see anything uh, that I would change. As far as parts that I would put on the new car, uh, Walker Evan shocks, of course, will go on the new one. Shock mm-hmm. therapy racks, the necessity. Uh, like I said, RCB axles, drive shaft, uh, just the basics. Gotcha. Um, so this time, wow, it's crazy. Earlier this year, we were having an interview and you were on your way to King of Hammers. You had just done a lot of renovation on the car that you're now going to sell. Um you know, I think you, you moved around the spare tire location. The cage looked a little different. You know, is there, is there anything like that that you're looking at the pro XP where, you know, you think visibility may be an issue because my opinion, if you have a spare in the, in the pro XP, 
like you have no rear sight, which again, isn't the worst thing in a race scenario, but it's something to be mindful of. Yeah. I think, um, one thing I really want to do on the new car is put a rear facing camera in, mm -hmm. uh, that way rear vision won't be as much of an issue anymore with my car set up. Now I've got the radiator up high, I got the spare mm -hmm. tire up high. You really can't see anything out of the back of the car. Um, I think a rear facing camera is pretty crucial to, uh, a good race car for, especially for King of the Hammers, where you can see yourself when you're backing up on the rocks and kind of make maneuvers if you need to get around, know exactly where you're at on the ledges. Um, other than that, I'll probably get, try to get the spare tire as low as possible, try to move the center of gravity down a lot on the new car compared to this car. Uh, this car is a really big cage. I've got the fuel cell mounted up high. I sit up really high in it for vision on the new car. I think I'm going to take a, Let's know the Can-Am guys and try to lower the hood and get the drive, get the body line sitting a little lower on the car so I can get the center of gravity down a little bit more than what I have on my car. That's pretty cool. That's I hadn't. So now that entails, you know, chassis modifications from, you know, the mid bar up essentially. Yep. Okay, cool. I like that. I, I personally, you know, I haven't kept up with like the works guy that's, that are running the machine or not, but I haven't seen anyone on the East coast make a chassis modification like that. And I think that there's, I think that that's the missing piece for the Pro XP to go, you know, from the consumer version to race car version. I think that it does need to be smushed just a little. I think yep. that the rear vision issue and I, and, and then I think you'll have something really special. Uh, I'm excited to see. Yeah, it. I think if you take a Pro XP and actually build it as a true race car, um, really strip it down and go through it and make it uh, move it from a trail riding car to a true race car. Uh, I think you'll have a really, really, really fast race machine. Yeah, I think so too. So let me ask you, obviously, uh, people, there's an option for people to have a chance to win your car. Uh, where can they find that information? How do they get in touch with uh, you? You can go to my Facebook page, um, James Cantrell, um, message me on there. You can go to my racer page, message me. I've got it listed on there. Um, I think we've got like 40 spots left on the car and then we'll be giving it away to somebody. Yeah, it's that's that's cool. And as someone who I ironically and just by luck has won one before, uh, it's a legit thing. It's really cool. And it's awesome. I, I, you know, again, yeah, it's awesome. I'll be, I'm really excited to see who ends up with it and what they end up doing with it next season. It's always, I'm, I'm sure it's an interesting feeling when that car will, you know, evidently show up at a race against you, you know? Yeah. I hate to have to race against it. Uh, <laughs> when it's on point, it's fast. I mean, well, it's also like seeing your ex-girlfriend again, you know, it's kind of one of those weird, like, uh, it's kind of funny. Oh, it's going to be sad. It's, yeah, <laughs> I've got a lot of memories on this car, and when it leaves, I'm I'm going to be a little bit sad. I'm not I'm not going to lie. This car and me have had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of anger. We've gotten a lot of fights, but uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, right in the sweet spot. Okay, so uh, in the off season, uh, you know uh, that the car moves, and I have I am fully confident that car will go soon. Um, you know, what does this off season look like for you? Is 2021 Koh is that the next stop for you? As of right now, um, 2020 KOH is on. Um, we had a driver summit out there in Oklahoma, and Dave has plans of moving forward and making KOH happen for 2021. Uh, we'll do the full Ultra 4 Series again next year. Um, I'm really excited we get to go to Crandon. Um, I've always yeah. wanted to race at Crandon. Now that's part of the East Coast Series. Uh, that's going to be awesome. There's yeah, that is. So this was the first year that I had actually watched Crandon, and I had made a point to have a, a couple of the Crandon guys on. And just haven't got around to it. I like so much that Ultra Four is is going to like a pure short course, short course. Like that's a man's yeah. short course, and uh, there's a lot of history behind it. There's a lot of legacy behind it. But 
I mean, that's a totally different game than anything else that Ultra 4 races. I loved watching it. Uh, to, in my opinion, it was over too quick. Like I watched the 4,400 guys race that night and then the 4,900 and it was just like, you know, 10 minutes and it was over. It felt like. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping they're going to do a, they'll run us on the long course where we go through the rocks and go yep. up through the woods and everything like they have with the 4,400 to not stick us just strictly on the short course. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think a, a ultra four hits the nail on the head next year perfectly with the schedule. Um, cause we're doing Crandon. Then we go to AOP. Or actually, um, we go to Rush for Anniversary Bash, um, I think April 24th for next year, which that's more of a GNCC-style woods course than mm-hmm. um, really go fast. Um, I have I love Rush. And then we after that, we go to AOP. And AOP is a real rock, nasty, rough yeah. race course. Um, I think they killed it as far as putting the trifecta in for – different car setups, different driver setups next year. I think it's really going to be interesting to see what happens. Are they going to race at uh, Moab again? I know that that was like a, that was a random race. Moab is a West coast race next year. They are going back to Moab. Okay. Uh, So you planned on doing the full East coast or, or East and West? I'll do the full East coast series. Um, I'm not sure I'll make it to Moab. I may go out there depending on what happens with work and, what other series pop up, what other races we end up getting committed to next year. Yeah. Um, haven't heard anything from Pro Rock on what's going to happen with their schedule for next year, where we'll be racing at yet. Um, I'll try to do as many of those as I can, of course. Uh, I really want to try to get down to Texplex and run with those guys. Dude, Texplex is killing it right now. And so yeah. is uh, Mid-America. Yeah, put on their own series next year too. Um, it's going to be a big year for side by side racing next year. I'm really excited. There's going to be a lot of money paid out. Um, these parks are really stepping it up with what Texplex is doing with their own series and with Mid America doing their own series. Um, they're paying out some big money. I want to say they're paying out a quarter million dollars next year at uh, Mid America for their wow. side by side series. That's crazy. I think it's twenty five thousand to the series winner. Yeah, um, that's huge. Uh, it's awesome to see the growth, even with the pandemic and everything we've dealt with this year, with everything being shut down, that we get to look forward to next year and see a lot of big paydays available to the side-by-side community, which is awesome. Now, I had uh, I had uh, Bree Molitor on last week, and she talked about the Visions uh, event that's going to be happening in yep. June or July or something. Uh, so that is a you know, Southern Rock, Pro Rock, uh, Ultra 4 combination of everything. Um, they're running 4,400 ultra four. I'm assuming that that's going to be a side-by-side race as well, but I was curious if pro rock is going to try and run some kind of endurance race there while they're all in the mix. I think mid America's, um, you can probably run their own series for that race. I know they're having their own series next year and that would be what I would guess is uh mid America will just have it as their own side-by-side another race for their side-by-side series mm-hmm. next year. Then Ultra 4, of course, will bring in the 4,400 cars and run. Uh, I know Pro Rock was going to do the knockout racing stuff, which is oh, yeah. a knockout. I mean, that that was my favorite racing I did when I had the big <laughs> car was knockout. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, let's talk about that, too. Are there any plans for you in the foreseeable future to get back in a big car? I wish I could say yes. Uh, it's always on my plan. Uh Eventually, I would love to build another 4,400. It's just the cost and funding to run competitively in 4,400 class. I just, I don't have it. Dude, um, not many it, people do. 
it's crazy how far the sport has come. I got a lot of respect for the guys like the Belilers and everything and the way they run their programs. Um, there's no expense spared. They come with their crew. They come with everything on point, and they've got the best of everything you can put in their cars. And that's that's pretty much every team across the 4400 board nowadays. Uh, the level of commitment that they do is it's unbelievable, and the cost of the cars has gotten astronomical. Um, your quarter million dollars if you want a car and that's no spares that's no trailer that's no truck that's just a car and you're going to break it every time you take it out that's a fact uh and it's dude it, it well you have to look at it and i look at you know i look at nationals and you know one i think one one of the, i don't know exactly the 4400 car that i saw was blyler and it just ate the the stair uh, the, the hell's stairway or whatever it was called i mean just ate it up and watching eric miller i think that there's he has his own highlight reel from the oklahoma race he came around a corner and it's like a jump into a corner and and it, i think it was into maybe the finish line cuz he slowed down dramatically afterwards uh it didn't look right it looked like it was sped up and i watched it again but they've got those cars so dialed being a solid axle car being able to maneuver the way it does, I was like extremely blown away just at, at what that car is capable of doing because on the East Coast here, you know, at finals, we had solid axle cars going through like, I don't know, probably 200 feet of whoops and having issues, big issues. Yep. Like, and, and it was just one of those where I was like, you know, not only does this show you that these are two different things and that they're two different, you know, levels to this, but holy cow. Does do the Miller that Miller chassis that he's running that Miller setup? Holy smokes, dude! Just so so much further than anybody else right now. It's really impressive um, with what Eric Miller's done with that program and the Miller Pro chassis. Um, he built it himself, designed it himself. Had a lot of help with the, from the Blylers as far as putting it into production and manufacturing. Um, mm -hmm. They've got it down to a science. I mean, they've got part numbers for every part on that car. They can pull up and give you a part number for every little piece, every bar, every bracket, every tab. Um, they spent a lot of time testing, tuning, modifying, um, proving, and perfecting everything they do to make that car work. Um, I think he's been running that chassis, I want to say, five or six years now since mm -hmm. he built his first car. Uh, I know he started out with the twisted the twisted customs old G car and uh, yep. raced it for I think two seasons before he ended up building his new chassis. And uh, those guys kill it. I I will say I have ridden a bomber car. Uh, they're fast too. Randy's got that platform completely figured out to take whatever you want to throw at it. Um, I, I still say a solid axle car can be competitive with an IFS depending on the race course. On a true short course. Um, IFS is going to be faster, hands mm -hmm. down. They just handle better on the true short course. But when you get into anything ultra four style, other than a short course, I think a solid axle can still be competitive on any given day. Yeah. So uh, I, outside of a couple of you know he, here people here and there, um, the podcast is booked until the second week of January right now. And on the first week of January, we're having Cody Wagner on from Laser Nut. And I, I'm going to talk to him, you know, why that car is not running every race other than King of Hammers. You know, I mean, like it, it shows up for King of Hammers, you know, has its issues or, or you know, does well, whatever, whichever one it ends up being. But I want to see that car out at Oklahoma. 
I want to see that car come through, you know, AOP and see, I don't, I don't know the width measurement on it, but like, those are the V like that technology that, you know, I mean, let's be honest an Armada engineering chassis, what? $400,000. Yeah. I want to say you're right about 400 grand for that car that him and Pellegrino have Dude. with the IRS, IFS. Um, Dude. It's awesome. It works. It, it does. And, and Pellegrino is my 4,400 pick for this year too. I, I picked him last year and it didn't work out, but <laughs> I'll, I'll pick him again because I, I really believe in the technology, but man, uh, those are the cars that, I want to see do the national like circuit because, yep. you know, you see them at King of Hammers. They obviously do well, but King of Hammers has this all inclusive kind of thing. But at the same token, it really doesn't. There's so much more out there. I would have loved to seen that car or, you know, the laser nut car or Jordan's car out there at, uh, at Oklahoma, man. I really think it could have hurt some feelings. Yeah. I'd like to see a bunch of those cars show up and uh, come play with us on the East coast. Like they used to back in the day. I can remember going up yeah. to the Badlands and you had everybody. Um, a lot of the guys ran the whole series four or five years ago. Um, then just running their regional races, but also the cost to do a race now for 4,400 class. If you want to be competitive, you're around 20 grand a race. So it really <laughs> adds up quick. Um, as far as you got to pick and choose what races you want to show up at, um, depending on your budget. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so pulling it back to the UTV side of things, what do you think of Speed UTV? Awesome. I've Have you seen it in person it. yet? I haven't got to see it in person. I followed along, um, watched yeah. a lot of the stuff Robbie's does. Um, I love his design. Um, he's killed it. I can't. There's nothing about that car that I can complain or say I don't like that isn't engineered right. Um, mm -hmm. Robbie Gordon's super smart. Uh what he's been able to do with that car. And I think it's going to be competitive right out of the gate. I think it's going to be hard to beat. Um, I think it'll run up there with the players and can am no problem. Mm -hmm. I think it's just going to be another one that you're going to have to worry about showing up to and dealing with at races. Um, he's got a lot of cool technology in that car with the front steering rack and it's fully integrated billet bulkhead, uh, 300 horsepower from the factory. It's a fully welded uh, race car right out of the gate. And it's ballpark, I think, starting is 40 grand, which in all reality. I heard 34 for the two-seat version. Well, let me just say this, 34, 40, whatever. If you if you know that, you know, if I'm, if I'm so we'll, we'll use Cody Wagner as the example here, owner of LaserNut, who wants to build a King of Hammers car and, and be an industry leader. If I'm someone that just wants to, like, build something cool and not have to worry about it, 35 grand is the same thing that people are paying for a Turbo S 4-seat right now. Yep. That's bananas. That would be, I mean, for someone who, who you know, likes to internet race over here, I would buy one of those and I would show up to one race a year, you know, and just let it all be done, all said and done right then and there. That'd be awesome. I, I, I think that if that car comes to fruition and it works out, you know, the initial bugs that it'll always have just because it's a new car, I don't see, I personally don't see anybody else being able to hang out with that. That's bananas, the numbers and the videos that I've seen of it going around curves and things like that. It's just insane. Yeah. It's super fast right out of the gate. I mean, he's claiming 300 horse right out of the gate. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a lot of power to put through a side by side. I'll be interested to see. I know it's, I know it's going to be a good desert car, but I'll be mm -hmm. curious at how well it does here on the East coast. Um, just like you don't see a lot of guys really liking the turbo S is on the East coast because the mm -hmm. extra width, the 72 inches out here um, when you're dodging trees really makes a big difference. 
That's why you see a lot of like, even the like K&M guys, Wolf McCoy, Shaw, right. all those guys still running 64s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different, total different setup from running what you would out west to what you run out here. So having rock bouncing in your background, do you think that the bouncer guys will look at the speed UTV and, you know, I don't think they're going to run it, you know, like a full body version of a speed UTV, but you know, we're seeing thousand horsepower, thousand and a half horsepower in the big bouncers. Why wouldn't people be, you know, kind of siphoning the drivetrain out of this new speed UTV and turn it into a rock bouncer? I think it can be competitive. I think you will end up seeing somebody try it. I'm, I'm sure if you can get the parts to hold up behind it, mm-hmm. um, it'd be super competitive. I think you can go out there and win with it just like you could with the Polaris, just like you could with Can-Am. Uh, Paul Wolf's Can-Am race this year, that thing was no slouch. Yeah. It, it, it makes a lot of horsepower. Um, I heard a rumor there's going to be a couple guys running full bodies next year that were in tube chassis this year. So we'll be uh, really interested to see what happens with the series next year. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note real quick here because we're gonna talk about uh, rock bouncing drivers for next year, um, and we're gonna talk about their rigs because I've heard some rumors and I've heard some cool stuff and I want to run them by you. But before I forget, um, you know, I had this interview with Polaris. We've all seen it on the social media. There is this rumored Pro XBR vehicle coming in 2021 spring. Um, you know. In my discussions with Polaris and, and I'm not revealing anything that, I, that, that people already don't know, um, you know, I talked to Brett and he, he was basically just like, you know, we're going to be looking at King of Hammers. Uh, that's the that's our that's our next stop, essentially, is Dakar and then King of Hammers. And um, would you consider waiting to buy one if it were to release in spring 2021? I think it's too late as far as getting a car ready for the Hammers, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um I've done that for two years straight and last minute, middle of January, still working on the car, trying to get everything lined out and show up Mm -hmm. and have tons of issues during the race that I'm going to try this year to have everything ready by end of the year, first of January, where I can actually relax and show up with a real game plan and try to make a run and a good finish this year. Yeah. Um, I think the pro R is going to kill it if it comes to fruition and what I've seen, what I've heard, I've heard the same thing everybody else has. Um, Yeah nobody else is getting really any good information out of anybody that you don't already know that hadn't been released <laughs> other than, you know what I mean? The pictures everybody's seen of the car that yeah. supposedly doesn't exist. Um, yeah. I would say that everyone knows it exists. It has has signed an NDA and it's just like, well, that's no fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's going to be an awesome car. Uh, yeah. The width, the horsepower, the whole nine yards, the no belt. Um, I think it's going to be great. Uh, I think it's going to be in its own class. Yeah, I think they're going to end up having to make a move and open up true unlimited class for side by sides. Um, I see that where that car is going to have to end up in. I don't see it being allowed to compete with the under thousand CC rule like the new cars, all the stuff mm-hmm. is right now. Yeah, um, I think that car could be really competitive at the Hammers. I don't, I have, I don't know if it can be competitive against a true forty four hundred car. Um, I know a lot of guys still try to say that a side-by-side could go out there and win the 4400 class and i think they're crazy um i think you could like this year um miller brothers went out there ended up finishing 15th i think in the 4400 class um but those main top 20 guys in 4400 the speed that those cars are capable of and the stuff they can do no side-by-side will ever compete at, at that level 
I think the Brewer has a chance at closing that gap in performance between a side-by-side and a true 4,400 car. Um, I'll have to drive one and kind of see exactly what it shakes out like once they do come out and you can actually get their hands on one. Um, but as far as a side-by-side winning 4,400, I don't think you'll ever see it happen. Um, the big cars are just too fast. They're, they're super fast. And, and one of the main differences is the trails that they run. They're either run different directions in the 4,400 class or they run different trails entirely. Like if I recall correctly, and I don't think they did it this year, but you typically the 4,400 has to go out back door. And if you had a UTV have to go out back door, I mean, you're, you're essentially, you know, you're getting out, putting your front wheels on it. Somebody's going to just, you're just dragging it over. Yeah. Then you're just going to winch it up, which what the majority of the 4,400 class uh, competitors choose to do now, because it's turned into such a long race. I think the, uh, main 4400 race this year is around 220 230 miles i can't remember exactly um time, but it's it's hike um that's a lot of time to be in the cars and those leaders i mean they're they're flat moving if you look at the gap that uh Porschel and healy and um, a couple of the other main guys had this year before they started having issues it was insane yeah the speed that they were able to carry through the first two laps of that race yeah. And it's funny you say that. I was actually just checking uh, the Oklahoma timesheets. And it's so funny. Every time in qualifying, uh, a side by side will take the fastest qualifying time for the day. In this Oklahoma race, the 4400 had to go through a little rock garden. The UTVs yep. did not. Um, and I think Jamie McCoy uh, ended up taking the fastest time for qualifying. But I just went and looked at the fastest lap time 4900 versus uh, 4400. Now, it would. It was on Loop A, which is the more short course style open yep. track. Um, 4400 still had to go through the Rock Cart Garden. UTV did not, and the 4400 class had an average of 21 minutes uh, lap time and uh, fastest lap time, and the UTV had a just under 24 minute fastest. So y- there, there is no replacement for that power. You know, no, the power and the 40 inch tires. Um, when you can hit five gallon buckets in your car and not have to think twice about it, it's a big, big game changer versus a side by side where you're ripping the whole side of your car off at that point. Yeah, that's a fact, man. Uh, it's I don't know. I I don't know. I, I, I felt really I want to say I don't know how I, I don't know how I feel. I haven't settled on the thought of Polaris kind of jump like leapfrogging the UTV, the 4900 class. You know, because essentially what they're doing is they're saying, you know, uh, the the Razor Pro is our best. This is our best bet. You know, this is our best option that we're going to offer. But we're going to have this new version, and it's just going to leap for like we're. It's just it's it's so good. It's not even able to, to make a stand here. I kind of I'm like, eh, like you should have. Think it'll find its place really quick. Um, yeah, because it it'll, it'll be a great trail car. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the complaints people have about riding a side by side is you're constantly beating the belly of the car up going mm-hmm. through rock sections, uh, just a low ride height that razors have just, um, that's one of the downfalls to them where that car is going to have 35 is going to have a lot wider wheelbase, going to be a lot taller. Um, I think you'll find it turned out to be a great trail car too. Yeah. Now, I mean that, rem- that you, you have the conversation of bigger tires on these things, uh, this very week, the last week, motor race tire releases a 39 inch tall, uh, UTV tire. When does it stop? Does it stop? It stops at the parts. Um, I think they're going to keep 
building tires for that for the guys that like the mud and the guys that like to do rock yeah. crawling. Um, but as I'm far as sure. the race application goes, I don't. You're still limited to a side by side dip. You're still limited to a side by side transmission when you're stuck building the car. And there becomes a point when durability overtakes um, tire size. Uh, I think you saw a lot of guys this year running 35s at King of the Hammers. I think you're going to see more guys next year running 35s at King of the Hammers. Um, I think once you get past the 35-inch tire size, uh, you're kind of stuck with transmission ratios and stuff like that where you can't get your final drive down low enough like you can in a big yeah. car. Uh, you can't just switch over your front diff ratio and your rear ratio and kind of change it to lower your gear ratio to run the bigger tires and still have the low end and still be able to run top end. It's, um, I think they're, I think the 35 is about the fine line as far as a race application goes, as far as tire size. Now, let me ask you this, you know, so, uh, let me make a little note here. So I don't forget about the talent. Um, well, let me ask you that. Have you seen the Talon in person, the Talon R that has the no CVT set up into a transfer case? Yes, I have. The Honda Talons. Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? I like it. Um, I think it's cool. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of belts. Um, mm -hmm. I finally got my belts figured out uh, with that new Pro XP setup and my transmission and stuff. and hadn't had any belt failures all, I want to say, since I've switched over to it all season. Mm -hmm. um, Belts are always going to be the downfall of a side by side. That's always going to be your limit when you're really pushing it is worrying about belt heat and burning up a belt or having it explode. So you can eliminate that. That's just one failure point that you no longer have to worry about. And then plus being able to select the transmission, select the gear you're in, all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was that was where I was going with this was in the uh, elusive pro R things that we've seen, you know, schematics and things like that that have been posted out there. Um, it shows going into a transfer case. Now, one thing that you mentioned that I haven't really put much thought into is in solid axles, you can re-gear, you know, down in the axle to get some of that power back, that low end. Um, could you take advantage of the gearing in the setup in the transfer case and, and essentially use that transfer case to get some of that low end power back? And that's when you would start seeing UTV guys, you know, racing on a 37, a 38 inch tall tire. Yeah, I think if you have... Uh... I think it'll be the future. I think you're going to have some have some uh, aftermarket companies get involved and have to make mm -hmm. different gear ratios and stuff for the uh, transfer case to be able to change the transfer case gears like you would in Atlas. Um, mm -hmm. Or you may see them make new gear ratios for the diff, depending on how they come, what diff they have, how it's all put together. Um, nobody's doing really that right now. With cars right? in. No, nobody's doing that right now. Why not? Um, I know you can do an overall drop in the transmission. Uh, mm -hmm. You can do like a 12%. I used to run that setup in my car, just like a 16 turbo transmission has a, I want to say it's a 12% overall um, high and low drop compared to the regular 17, 18 turbo transmissions. Um, mm -hmm. I ran that setup for a little while. It was super awesome out of the hole, but your speed limited to around 65, 70 miles an hour on the top end with the reduction. Um, it was great for rock crawling. Um, I loved it at the hammers as far as on the rocks with the lower reduction in low range with the big 32 inch BFG tires. Mm -hmm. um, it really made rock crawling awesome and a lot less stress on the belt. It'd be super cool. Uh, saw the aftermarket get involved and start making different ratios and stuff where you could run a lot bigger tires and take a lot of the stress off the belt and clutching. Why has nobody done that yet? Good. I don't know. 
no idea. I guess it, there's a lot of money that goes into um, doing a ring opinion. Uh, there's a lot of machines and stuff that you need to be able to make custom ring opinions and change the ratio and get everything to work right. I'm sure it'll come eventually, just like everything. It always keeps progressing. Uh, mm -hmm. The sport's changing every day. Yeah, it is. And and I hadn't, you know, to be honest with you, I've had uh, I had TJ Krobe on from Dynajet, and we went through the explanation of CVTs. Uh, you know, the the whole clutch system, how it works, what happens yeah. when you're, you're changing weights and things like that. And I had never thought about putting a different ring and pinion in there. And I, I know it'd be a little more complicated in the rear because of the way the transmission and the rear diff are set up. But in those elusive Pro R pictures that we've seen, the rear diff becomes isolated, just like the front. And it would be, yeah. it, you would, you would think that there's a lot of, uh, there's potential for aftermarket support there that would be. Oh, 100%. Really cutting edge stuff, I think he's come out with um, and really do some cool stuff with the transfer case and the Pro R like it's speculated. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I hope I hope that it comes to fruition and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll just Yeah, I really hope it's everything that we've seen pictures of and stuff we've heard about. If it really comes out, uh, it's going to be a game changer. I think yeah. it's going to be it. It's going to be on its own level. Yeah, I, I will see. Hope I, To me, Speed UTV Pro R, they're two different cats fighting, you know, potentially in the same arena. I know that the CC limit on the speed UTV is still in regulation, but yep. you know, that would, if it's got that much power, it seems like you'd have to have something way over that to, uh, to, to be able to fight with it. But back to rock bouncing, uh, have you kept up with the season at all? Uh, I know you were at blue yep. holler. I got a chance to say, Hey, uh, what do you think of the season? And what do you think of the incorporation of short coursing? Uh, I love it. Stuff? Um, I love it. I think they really killed it in uh, finals this year as far as Southern Rock Racing Series with the course selection, the way they laid everything out. Um, it gives the drivers a lot more seat time. Um, that was one of the things I really didn't like about rock bouncing uh, when we did it is you drive four or five hours, you're in the car, 20 seconds, 25 seconds, and yeah. you're done back in, the car, back in your truck four or five hours to drive home. Um, with the short coursing they've added in, you really got to drive your car. Your car is still got to be set up to climb hills. Your car is still going to be able to jump the big ledges, but you're not just holding it on the floor and able to use your 1600 horsepower and just hold it in a straight line and hope you land in the right spot. Yeah. You've really got to think um, and actually put your mind behind your driving versus just looking up the hill and shifting her in a drive and wouldn't it? <laughs> um, the rigs this year, it's insane. Uh, the progression is great. I love seeing everybody be competitive, uh, pushing Timmy to be his best and really make him stay on top of his game. Mm -hmm. His his IFS car this year was awesome. Um, I really dug it. I, he straight up killed it as far as uh, the overall season coming out with a brand new car and being really competitive and kind of showing everybody that IFS can compete in the rock bouncing world and be competitive on the East Coast. Um, I still think a solid axe can be just as competitive. I think you put him in the same car he ran the year before he built the IFS and he's going to do the same thing he did in the IFS car. Yeah. He's just that good. He's that dedicated. He puts that much time into perfecting his craft that he's going to show up and he's going to be the guy to beat no matter where they're at, no matter what race they're at. He's going to come in. He's going to put his best down. He's going to spend the time to make sure that he wins. He hates to lose and, I love that about him. He's a great guy. I mean, he's yeah. super humble, probably one of the best advocators of this sport you could have. Um, he's pretty funny too. And you get him to the side and actually can get him to start talking. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, you mentioned the fact that he has an IFS car. Uh, I've heard talk of portals being added to machines in this next year. Uh, I don't think that there's large scale portals that can handle rock balancing, but I've heard portals. I've heard a whole number of different things. What do you think these, you know, have you heard, I mean, start there. Have you heard any uh, rumors about what people are building this year? I haven't. I heard Tim's building a new car. I heard yep. his car got sold. Um, he's building a new one. I'd love to see him take the Weld 74 portals and build an IFS car out of it to where he could get the bulkhead a lot higher. Yep. Um, still run a very similar setup to what he ran last season. I just I think it'd be cool if you could incorporate those uh, Weld 74 portals like you see on Pellegrino's car yep. um, to get the bulkhead off the ground a little bit more and give you a little more clearance going through the rocks. Um I don't know. I know a lot of people really got their eyes opened up when Tim showed up with that IFS car this year and had the success he did. Um, I'm curious to see what little Tim Bacon's building. I know he's been building a new car. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're going to see a few more come out that you aren't hearing about that are hidden. Uh, a lot of guys like to be secretive. A lot of guys don't want to give away what they're doing for next season. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm exact opposite. I'll tell you everything. Um, you still got to beat me. And that's the way I feel about it. I can tell yeah. you everything I got. I can tell you everything that I'm doing. You still got to outdrive me on that day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think from a social media perspective too, I think that having build updates and, and like letting people like kind of lifting the curtain, I think that builds your audience way better than oh, hundred percent. The way Tim does his reveals and kind of keeps everything hidden till the very last minute when yeah. it's fully powder coated, fully done and he'll post a little snippet here and there and kind of let you here's a bracket here's a cab i mean it's pretty yeah. cool the way he keeps everybody in suspense and kind of draws you in for the big reveal and like what is he doing what has he been up to this whole winter hiding for the next three months yeah my, my favorite is the picture that we're gonna get like in a month from now and it's just a motor and like two brace like chassis bars it's like it's about you know about time to get started it's just like man in four months this is gonna be and you know this is gonna be the podium machine yeah, who knows? Knowing Tim, he's probably already got it built and just posting those pictures uh, when it's already done. You're exactly right, because that man puts a lot of seat time in, a lot of to a lot of testing. Uh, so I have a question for you though: If you were going to build a rock bouncer today, and you're going to go with we'll, say, we'll call it a production rock bouncer, um, who would you have build your machine? Timmy. Okay, um, I like it. I, gonna, I mean, if I was going to have um, an East Coast rock bouncing guy building my car would definitely be Timmy. Um, if I was going to have a big production uh, shop build my car, man, I'd be tempted to run a Miller chassis rock bouncing. Woo! Um, yeah, buddy. I like. I think it. you could take a. I think you could take Miller's car and um, shed all the ultra four weight off of it, and I think you could come the especially with the way the courses are now. Yeah. Um, I think you could come out with a Miller car and really throw down against all the rock bouncers uh if you didn't care about wrecking the car for the next 4400 race you had yeah um those cars flat work especially with the way the courses are now you got to drive you can't just show up and hold it on the floor yeah i i told i told brie this in our last interview and i still think it's hilarious but uh um big I forget, is it is it bubba bacon who has the red trail like bouncer a big just, tim Big Tim, Big Tim. Okay, Big Tim. Yeah. Sorry. There's there's so many bacons that like you get them all mixed in and it's just at one point it's like I just know them by blue rig, red rig, and white. So it's just yeah. that's how I know. Yeah, Big Tim, uh, you better call that a buggy. You better not call it a race car. He he doesn't like it when he <laughs> called a race car. Let me explain something to you. When I saw that thing on the starting line, I just thought to myself, 
it is so awesome that we have machines like Timmy, we have machines like Anthony Yant's car, and then we have that machine here, which is like legacy. This is, you know, that's a Hall of Fame machine, and it just climbs out the top on most of the hills. I mean, yeah. I don't know about Hill 2 by any means, but... But the same know, thing with Raymond Blue, it's yeah. super old technology. You know what I mean? Bobby Tanner's yeah. car, it's years and years old, and Adam Ringer kept Showgirl coming out for years and years. Uh, there are some old bouncers. I mean, they've been around for several several years and they're still competitive i know bobby just won that event at dirty turtle this weekend in screaming blue uh yep. boobash he ended up winning that um with this buggy that's eight years seven eight years old i don't know exactly on the age of it but i know it's man peak in mm-hmm. the world of race cars um especially with people building new stuff every year and he's still kind of running the same stuff he's ran from the beginning it's super cool to see that you can still bring something out with outdated technology and be competitive depending on the type of course you're racing at that weekend. I agree. I, so small note, I didn't realize that he had only won one race before that. Every other time he had, I mean, anytime he had podium, he wasn't first or, you know, finishing the race is, is a, is a feat for Bobby because Bob, Bobby's, you know, driving style, but also this weekend or this past weekend, we saw uh, the Plowboy three, I think it's out there. Um, Bobby was saying that he owns that machine now. Yep. If I and Ethan correctly. Tanner, Ethan's driving it. Um, Bobby's son, super cool to see Ethan back out. Um, I'd love to see Jordan and Shelby come back out too. Um, they always threw down. I remember watching videos of them. Uh, oh yeah, that's all the that's, time. The, that that's whole family the crew. That's it, man. Yeah. Those are the people. That whole family likes to throw down. I mean, they are not scared to come out and yard sale their stuff and smile about it as they walk back to the trailer. Yeah, it's a that's a special group of people there, and I think that that the, the, that family, you know, there's a handful of people, but that family in particular that's so influential in rock bouncing. And I wonder, you know, I've tried to get Bobby on the show for since we started, <laughs> and I was going to talk to him. We were a blue holler, but it was one of those where it just didn't it just didn't seem to line up right. But I'm trying to get him in person or something because I want to know his thoughts on you know I know he's out there just having a good time, but like where it where it began and where it is now where we have you know reject fab machines that are super high performance you know the the lamborghinis of the of the rock bouncing world where it's just so performance based and, and it's you know result driven i want to know what he thinks about all this because he was just such a you know uh an igniting factor in all of that yeah and it's so awesome that we've got such great ambassadors in the sport i mean the tanner family is awesome uh mm-hmm. You look at any of them. I mean, Danny Smith's great. Timmy's great. Brandon Davis is great. I mean, you can't all pretty much everybody in the entire sport uh, is awesome. I mean, it's such a great group. We all have such a great time coming together and everybody will help everybody uh, make sure you're at your best when you're on the race hill. And you don't see that in a lot of other sports. Um, you pretty much see that across the whole off-road community in general, whether you're talking about trail riding, side-by-side riding, uh, rock crawling, ultra four, rock bouncing, um, pretty much any event you show up to, anytime you're out, everybody will help everybody. And we're all just a big family. And it, it makes the sport so great that everybody shows up and everybody supports everybody doing what we love to do. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, we talked about where you're going to be in the future. You're going to be getting this uh, this new car prep for King of Hammers. Is there anywhere else that you're going to be, uh, you know, where people could come say hey or just come? Yeah, see? I'll be at Winrock next weekend um, for the Pro Rock race. There's a good chance I may show up and run a rental in the survival race. Hey. Uh, Who's, who's rental are you going to grab? Uh, I've been talking to John LaCroix. I might jump in the bar <laughs> one. Um, 
and run it. First time I've ever raced an RS1, so it'll be interesting. Um, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Um, either way, I'll be there filming for Madram 11 for all the rock bouncing stuff that's going on. Um, depending on if I can get the new car built in time, I'd love to go do the Texplex 12-hour um, in the middle of December. That looks like that's going to be a super awesome event. Um, is that, a, is that, that that's, a legit 12 hours of racing? It's a legit 12 hours of racing. Uh, it's a multi-man team, um, straight 12 hours of non-stop endurance racing. It's going to be an epic event for sure. Is it, I know is they're it, doing like a six-hour class. And I think they're having a three-hour class and then a full pro 12-hour class. Now it's it's essentially how many laps you get done in a time frame, right? Yep, it's how okay. many laps in a twelve hours. But I mean, when you've got a couple people, I mean, I know a bunch of the big guys are coming, Miller and all those guys plan on racing down there, uh, mm -hmm. Hunter Cody, all those guys. It's going to be competitive. Um, be it might come down to minutes. Uh, it might come down to laps. It just really, it's really hard to tell how it's going to shake out at the end of twelve hours of brutal endurance racing with lap traffic you got darkness to deal with broken parts trying to keep the car together driver change fuel change mm -hmm. and there's so much that goes on in a 12-hour race that there's no telling what's going to happen are they going to have three drivers or four i think you can have up to four drivers per car i want to say three or four i can't remember exactly what they ended up coming out with on the rules that's a long time to be in the car too i mean to do a short course for three hours it's a long time yeah, especially when you get 12 hours of, um, I know they added an endurance loop in, a big endurance loop they're going to open up. I guess they've got some okay. racing going on in the next month or two where they're going to run their endurance course and kind of let people get a preview of what they're going to be for the 12-hour race. Um, but you figure at Hammers, we're in the car 8 to 10 hours. Uh, yeah. So it's just going to be like racing up Hammers. But you can have multiple drivers. I think you're going to see the pace be extremely high. Yep. Uh, for that 12 hours, being able to swap out fresh drivers every couple hours and keeping a fresh person behind the wheel. Yeah, I'm. I'm. See, I'm curious if you know if they have any rules on substitution of drivers and things like that. Like, you have to, you know, you can't get out of the car twice. You can't get out and get back in. I wonder how they're going to work that. So I think that it's really cool. I think that it opens. Uh, you know, this is the first of its kind. You know, and I'm really excited to see this happen again. I'm excited to see it adopted other places. Uh, I'm I'm still waiting for a Texplex in Tennessee or Kentucky or somewhere close where, you know, we can come out and do this kind of thing because it's just it's just far enough where it's it's a you got to commit to getting there. Yeah, it's about a 12 hour drive for me out of Kentucky. Um, same thing with Mid America. It's about a 10 hour drive for me out of here. Yeah, um, I wish they were both of them were close. Uh, they've got a really cool series going on next year with those giant payouts they've got going on. Mm hmm. Well, that's pretty much all I had for you. Anything that we uh, didn't cover while you're in here? No, man. I think we pretty much hit it all. Cool. It awesome talking to you again. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at James Cantrell. Um, you can find my racer page. Give me a follow. I try to keep it updated with everything we're doing. Uh, Instagram is uh, jcantrell502. Um, follow me on there. I try to keep it updated just like I do my Facebook stuff. And then we'll post some stuff here and there on Mad Ram 11, uh, especially from the hammers. We'll try to keep it updated and everything we're doing next year. All right. Well, sweet brother. We'll close it out here. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks, sir. Have a good evening. I'll also add, make sure if you enjoyed the podcast to leave us a five-star review on Apple podcast, it really helps. And if you're not already find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Thanks guys. 
If you're familiar at all with the podcast, you know that I've run the Super Grip ATV K9 tires for some time now. I run them in the standard compound with the Kevlar reinforced sidewalls. It's been an extremely tough tire for my vehicle. Uh, on top of that, I ran them out this weekend and I just really kind of wanted to put a beating on them and, and see what I could find. And uh, let me tell you guys, don't run them at 20 PSI. That's where I started just to, you know, get an idea if someone overinflates them to see, you know, how they perform. It's not the right way to do it for sure. I got them down to about six or eight PSI somewhere in that ballpark and they really started hooking for me. Even where people say that they haven't been very successful with them, uh, mud, loose, uh, like loose, slick rock. I was all over it. Had no issues once I aired down the six and eight PSI right around there somewhere. It was really great. I'm really impressed with the performance of those tires. Uh, and when I say performance, I mean, it's a combination of, you know, the things that they can climb, the terrain that they can get you through. Uh, they're really well balanced in my opinion, but more than anything, that is an extremely tough tire. So I highly recommend if you have the extra change and you're looking to get some canines, upgrade to Kevlar, you will not be sorry. Supergripatv.com and Supergripatv on Facebook and Instagram. Next on the show is Dinojet Research Inc. Uh, I was talking to James today and he, uh, he goes pretty extensively over one of the few things that he would really keep in transferring over to the car or something that he already has figured out for his new vehicle is the Dynajet uh, tune, uh, the clutching, the belt system, the entire, the entire setup. He's really confident in how it performs. Dynojet offers a PowerVision 3 tuner, which can hold multiple tunes at one time, even letting you write your own customizable tune. And let me tell you, that's pretty cool from someone who's a software guy. If you don't want to get that nitty gritty, they come preloaded with some excellent tunes. I run the stock tune that comes on the PowerVisions from Dynojet for the stock exhaust as well. I really think it woke up the low end of my machine. I was very, very pleased with it. They've also been very kind to me in uh, getting me a clutch setup and all that other kind of stuff so that I can tell you guys and confidently say that I recommend the Dynojet Research Inc. Stage 2 Power Kit. Uh, it's what I run on my car. I'm very, very glad to have them on board. Dynojet Research Inc. Uh, and Dynojet.com. You can find all the information there or reach out to your local retailer. Third on the list is iRate 4x4. iRate 4x4 is the new revolution in terms of information gathering for your UTV or full-size rig. Uh, if you're looking for, I, I had a student from MTSU this week, uh, which is Middle Tennessee State University, the local college of my town. He reached out to me and you know he, he had some design questions and things like that. I mean, when I say design questions, he just kind of let me know what they were doing and, and it was, you know, just kind of Ask me for my thoughts. I am going to redirect him to iRate 4x4 because there's so many guys out there that have fabrication skills uh, far beyond my need that have posted how-to threads, build threads, and even just general discussion topics or topics where people have asked questions. iRate4x4.com is a no BS place to go get the answers that you need make new friends, and also stay up to date with industry-late topics. I am highly, highly recommend you guys go there because I really trust the team that's doing the moderation there. 
they've been really great to me uh, in communication and everything's been really straightforward. So as far as moderation goes, this is gonna be a place where you can share your ideas, not be censored, and get all of the correct information that you need. That is I-R-A-T-E-4x4.com. I rate 4x4 on Instagram and Facebook. When you start your build thread, let them know you found out from Racing on the Rocks. Another sponsor on our list is All Things UTV. Guys, there's one product from, or there's really two that I really, really, really recommend, but there's one product that is a must-have on your vehicle, and that is the Razor Aid Inner Fender Liners. So if you're on any Can-Am or Polaris machine, the stock firewall or the stock, you know, plastics that are underneath your feet in the floorboard, that's all you have, uh, especially in the wheel well of your vehicle. And all things UTV and, and the Razorade department of all things UTV, they make an excellent upgrade for that piece of the machine. What it is, it is a form-fitted, custom-made, fully engineered uh, piece of steel that just bolts right up onto your firewall, the floorboard there, and it makes it a much more durable, safer environment for your passengers and yourself. I would not be going as fast as I am through the woods sometimes without having the peace of mind knowing that if a stick comes through, it won't. It's not going to come through. The steel inner fender liners are going to be able to protect me. Those come in powder coating options of a variety of colors, and it's one of the most important upgrades that you can have. All Things UTV Razor Aid Inner Fender Liners. You can find those guys on allthingsutv.com and All Things UTV with a Z, All Things UTV on Instagram and Facebook. Let's see. Next is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop. So this was the first weekend I really got a chance to get out and get on my shocks that we're, we're working on doing. Uh, let me tell you guys, he's got a package that is pretty pretty much there. Uh, there's a little bit of fine tuning that Chris wants to do because he is a perfectionist. I cannot tell you guys the level of communication, turnaround, specification, everything that Chris has asked me to do, I've done for him, and he delivered almost right out of the gate. I think we're I think we're due for one more tuning session to really get it perfect for you guys, you know. But his first stab at my setup was really really great. And the feedback that I'm going to give him is just going to help his commercial package be that much better. So I'm very, very excited to, to tell you guys when Chris at Diddy's Big Block Race Shop is going to go live with those Razor uh, spring packages and, and you know valving packages. It's going to be great. Chris is going to be someone who can get you everything you need from rebuild, custom valving, to custom spring rates as well. He is the best in the business. Now, quick little small plug for all things UTV. I'm running their Cloud9 kit right now paired with Chris's valving, and I think it's really, really great. Check out the Tender Spring upgrade and the Cloud9 kit from all things UTV. It's a wonderful pairing with what Chris is doing. Uh, Chris is called Wizzo because he's the wizard, man. He makes those shocks do things that are magic. So Diddy's Big Block Race Shop for all of your needs in terms of shock tuning, shock servicing, and he'll be releasing his Razor-specific shock valving packages very soon. Very glad to have him on board. That is Diddy's Big Block Race Shop on Facebook and Instagram. Last but not least, the longest sponsor of the show and one of the most dedicated sponsors of this show, Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road has two things for the listeners of this show. They offer a 25-year, you-break-it, they-fix-it warranty. 
uh, even covering accidental damage, it's pretty much no questions asked and whatever happened, happened and they'll just send you some new parts. It's really amazing. I am, uh, I don't know, I, we're, me and Mike are friends. I mean, to, to call it what it is, it's nice because he's such a good guy that, that I've seen so many other people say, you know, say things about him that echo the way I feel. It just is really great, whether it's customer service, shipping time, you know, communication, whatever it is, infiniteoffroad.com is the place to get all of your lighting solutions and some hard parts that they carry as well. So that being said, Infinite Offroad believes in the show. They appreciate you guys, so they're going to give us 10% off for all of the listeners. Code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S, at checkout. We'll get you 10% off the entire website. Okay, bills are paid, y'all. Today on the show, we have James Cantrell. James Cantrell is an Ultra 4 podium finisher for the National Series. We're going to cover the Crossbar Ranch race that he had. It was a very, very close race. He went into the race tied for first place in the National Series. But let me tell you guys this. James is an awesome driver, and I cannot wait to see what happens in the next calendar year for him. So without further ado, James Cantrell. <laughs> 